Metal Podcast. As always, we're Grant and Brian, one of us, a professional musician, pastor, and recovering pastor's kid, the other, a media and public relations expert, a writer, and a pop culture aficionado. That's you. Is that me? Aficionado. That's, That's you. me. Aficionado. How's it going? Um, I'm good. I'm good. Um, Fresh back know. from Nashville again. Uh, yeah, it is. Um, Nashville's a great city. I got to say, everybody's moving there. Everybody. Um, the funny thing is, is right before we went to Nashville, our friend Jonah, you know, we were uh, somebody, he was looking for a piano and he picked it up at this person's house, which is literally just right around the corner. And they're like, oh, why are you getting rid of it? It's like, oh, we don't play it. Plus we're moving to Nashville. I'm like, oh, cool. No like, you into music? Like, no, nah, we're not into music. Um, we just want to move to Nashville because we, you know, work remotely. So it's pretty funny. Um, just I so work bizarre. remotely and yeah. I'm still hanging out here in the greater Philadelphia area. Well, you know, the funny things we ask ourselves every time we come back when in the middle of winter from somewhere like South Florida or Nashville or anything like that, what is it about the greater Philadelphia area that keeps pulling us back? Like, if we can move anywhere, um, I don't know. This is a deep hole, really. Sure. Why do we live here? You know? Like, I think, I don't know. Uh, we part of me up. thinks it's arrogance. <laughs> like, in the Northeast, you know, sometimes, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what it is. We wound up here because it was the perfect place in between my family, my wife's family, and, like, where our workplaces are. Because even though I telecommute, I have a physical workplace out in Harrisburg. So that's, like, a 90-minute drive. It's not too bad when yeah. I have to get out there. But, uh, yeah, this is just kind of the epicenter. If you drew, you know... Uh, a bunch of lines between the places that are important to us and the people that are important to us, the lines would all intersect right here. And then yeah. we bought a house, and that's a completely separate topic. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I don't know. At the same time, like, I haven't lived anywhere else. Yeah. You know? I haven't lived anywhere else, so who knows how I would just, you know, I'm sure I'd be... like. Like, I, like moving to Florida would probably be cool because there's a ton of Northeasterners down there, right? And when you go somewhere and you're, like, in a, in a different state and they move slower than you or have a different pace that you're used to, you know, you get real unnecessarily arrogant real fast. And you, you know, just like, why why don't you just go at that green arrow? Have you ever heard uh, Nate Bargatze? He's a stand-up comedian, and he talks about that. He talks about how... Um, he moved from Tennessee to New York and in New York, everybody's honking and driving really fast. And in Tennessee, it's like, Oh, you're not going to go with that green light. You're just going to stop there. That's okay. I was thinking about not going when I get up there too. So no, no big deal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't get it. And that's the thing. Like, I don't know where I'm going so fast. I don't know why I have to get there so fast, but I am going there. From point so, A to point B in the shortest yeah. amount of time possible. Right. Exactly. So we got a weird topic today, um, yeah. and and it kind of speaks to the difficulty I think of being a pastor and coming up with ways to keep the material fresh and relevant. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is a pretty good example of how not to do it. This is a piece from the Washington Post yesterday. 
The title is, uh, here's the headline, in an Easter lesson, lesson in quotation marks, students spit on, slapped, and cut a pastor. The church is sorry. You can imagine why. Wait, wait, um, the church is sorry. The church is <laughs> Right. Although they weren't the ones doing the spitting and slapping and cutting. The church is sorry. Like, we just want to let everybody know. So here's, here's what happened. Um, uh, the pastors, there was a youth pastor and um, I think an associate pastor at a church in Patascala, Ohio. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. It's um, apparently outside of Columbus, east of Columbus. They, for a sermon illustration on Easter, they decided to line the kids up and have them, without any repercussions, spit at the pastor. So that was round one. Round two, they lined the kids up again, and they said, without any repercussions, you can slap the pastor. And then the round three was the uh, pastor produced a steak knife and invited the kids to cut him. I guess in, in an illustration of what our sins did to Jesus, right? Um, um, I guess, or to like try to lightly, uh, I don't know, clue them into the things that Jesus experienced. Here's what the uh, piece says. It says, The episode at the church was intended as an illustration of love. Instead, it quickly became a parable about the readiness of children to perpetuate violence, <laughs> sending a disquieting <laughs> signal of how quickly some young people descend into the sort of savagery fictionalized in William Golding's Lord of the Flies. Now, the pastors did. They, they released a, an apology video where they explained kind of why they did it. Um, the lead pastor said the students were caught off guard. Some got excited because they never had an opportunity to spit in somebody's face. Now, this gets into questions of knowing your audience, and I don't know if these youth group meetings are are attended by people who are within the church. You know, oftentimes with youth groups, it's something fun to do on a weeknight. You bring your friends along. So there's no word on whether or not these kids were, you know the children of, you know, the deacons of the church or, or some well-meaning churchgoers. Sure. I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the, the fact of the matter is um, I know that it's tough to try to keep things relevant and try to maintain some sort of forward momentum when you're teaching the same old material. And I, I, I even hesitate to say that about the, the crux no pun intended of our of our faith is is the cross and the resurrection. I mean, that's everything flows out of that. But it, it can get a little bit samey, and we all know the story. We've heard it a billion times. We hear it every year at Easter, and it's tough for churches to come up with something that's that's both relevant and speaks to the same truth that we've heard many many times before. Um, yeah, I mean, sure. I, I don't think that, um, I don't think it's that hard. I don't, I don't think you have to go that deep, but you know, the thing is, is if you're, if you're a commun if you're a really good communicator, um, there 
plenty of things that you can do to be able to communicate that. Now, I don't know what, I mean, there's just some really, really bad ideas, bad ideas. When like, when the illustration trumps the message and trumps the big idea of the sermon. Yeah, that's a good point. I think you got, um, I think you need to think about that. Um, so here's here's a part of I think what what played into this incident is part of the church's ethos is and this is a quote from the Washington Post story um, that is taken from the church's website. Although approach our approach is anything but traditional, we believe in and maintain a conservative theological position. In other words, we believe the whole Bible, Genesis through Revelations, was inspired by God, but don't expect us to be thumping anybody on the head with it. So I, I think, and I'm not going to go out of my way to say that the church has an identity problem, but I think that when, when your whole thing is to try to balance on that razor thin line between teaching the Bible and what the Bible says. And, and when we say conservative theological position, I don't think that they're talking about, um, conservative politically. I think they're talking about like, a, a traditionalist approach to what the Bible is and what it means. When you try to divide that line between that position and then being edgy for lack of a better term, um, which is also often conflated with relevancy, uh, I think that this sort of thing maybe is bound to happen with an ethos like that. Yeah. Um, you know, group that, couple that with some just terrible judgment, some terrible pastoral judgment, terrible leadership. I Like, I, like what do you think is going to happen? Well, I, uh, you know what, honestly, I don't think that they were expecting anybody to carve into the pastor with a steak knife. And now there, you can, you can see the video, the portions of the video are linked in the Washington post and other outlets have picked up the video. So you can search for it if you want to find it. Um, and, and the video essentially is a bunch of kids hooting and hollering and really excited that they get to at first spit in the pastor's face. In fact, one kid in the background can be hearing, can be heard saying, can I do it again? <laughs> like, yeah. which, which undercuts no, again, no pun intended undercuts like what, what they were trying to do with this illustration when kids are laughing about it and they're taking it as a joke. I, you know, I think that maybe they didn't expect the students to go as far with it as they did. And were surprised when they offered up, ultimately offered up the knife and somebody was willing to actually use it and perpetrate violence. Yeah. Again, like what do they think is going to happen? Like your, your audience is a bunch of teenagers and you're like, I, Hey, uh, you guys can spit in my face. Go ahead. All right. Yeah. Nobody's going to do slap me. Okay. Nobody's going to like, I, it's interesting that the Washington post was like, yeah, they were just, you know, they were just so willing to, it's a parable about how they were so willing to commit violence. Like, First of all, who do you think you're dealing with? Are, are you that far removed that you're, you really think that, uh, you know, 
a teenager, somebody, some kid is not going to take the opportunity to do that. And the pastor knew that too. Now, whether he was trying to, you know, somehow communicate this idea of like, even though you slap me and spit in my face, I'm still going to love you. Right. I mean, fine. But there had to be another way that you could get that over. I'm going to hand a kid a knife and be like, you have to be gentle, but I want you to carve into my back. What? What? So the pastors, I, so I, go ahead. The pastors um, in the video seemed to hedge a little bit, I think, on the purpose of the activity. Um, they said that it was a part of the story that wasn't captured on social media um, after the kids did the spitting and hitting and all of that stuff. Um, that the pastor sat down the students and talked about. Quote, this guy named Jesus, who thousands of years ago was put on trial for a crime he didn't commit, was beaten, broken, whipped, and crucified, and who chose to allow it to happen in order to take the payment of our debt that we call sin. So, I don't know. It was Here's the question. Was, was the motivation good enough to, to elicit this kind of activity? I mean, no. obviously, uh, no, no, the motivation isn't good enough. Like, okay, there's plenty of other ways we can do that. And by the way, you know, since we're do- on that road, why don't we just half crucify the guy? We'll just put a nail with a hammer and we'll just, we'll just hit it a couple times. We won't, we won't completely nail your, you know, your hand in. We're just going to kind of do it. Like how, where do we stop at this? You know, well, where do we stop? and, and it is part of the Christian well, tradition in other cultures to, to actually do that. Right. Sure, but not in this, not in our culture. Right. And, and they have to know in uh, what kind of awareness are you in? Like, w- what awareness do you have to say, oh, this is going to be good for the kids and the church. Oh, by the way, kids, you can film this. What? Like, I don't, I just don't understand. I don't understand where you come off thinking that way. All right. Look, so not a few years ago in our area, um, Somebody thought it'd be a good idea to do something similar to this, right? And they were they were trying to um, they were trying to get across the idea of uh, just like there are people persecuted for their faith, and um, at some point maybe you'll be persecuted for your faith. And what are you going to do when that happens, right? So. What they do is, unbeknownst to everybody in the room except for a few people, they come in with fake guns during a a youth event, and they go crazy, and they're like, hey, uh, you know, deny Jesus, you know, with fake guns. Then they, then they, they tie their hands up, right? They took hostages? Yeah. And then they like, I get, I don't, I can't remember where it actually ends. Uh, they, you know, they pretended to kidnap him kind of thing. I don't know. Um, I can't remember where it ends by the way, those dudes are in jail. Okay. Okay. <laughs> like the pastors, uh, or somebody, I think it was like a, he, you know, it, it got really serious really quick. It wasn't too far from here. Um, and I just don't understand like, are you that bad of a cultural communicator that you have to take it to that level? Are you that bad of a preacher and a speaker that you need to actually put them in a situation where they have to uh, fight or flight or they have to um, actually, actually, you know, uh, 
they're going to actually act on some kind of violence at, at some point. Like, but devil's or advocate, you're going to invite that. You're going to invite that on yourself. Devil's advocate, saying? though, preacher, preaching is hard. Like you've done it. You know how difficult. Yeah, sure, it is. preaching's hard. I've never, ever, ever thought. Well, listen, I really need to get across this point. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give everybody rocks in the congregation, and I'm going to have them throw them at me so I can get across this idea of how bad Paul went through this idea of stoning and how many times it actually, and Stephen, like, let's actually bring this to light. Like, what kind of idea, who does that? This is terrible. Just It's a terrible idea. But to me, um, the best communicators are the ones that are able to craft their words. Ugh. So how then... Because I've I've done some public speaking before, but I've never you know gotten up on stage and had to do uh, exegesis of a of a passage. How do you, when you're preaching, determine, you know, here's here's a relevant story that's going to hit it out of the park and 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 um, help people to to nail down the point? Because honestly, if it wasn't for some of those anecdotes and some of those sermon illustrations people will get lost. They, they get bored. Like absolutely. It's absolutely. They get lost in their board. Sure. Sure. But illustrations are just that they're illustrations. They're not like, you know, uh, and there's some, there's some ones that have been, um, I've seen a few lately on Instagram that were actually really cool. Um, it worked really, really well. Like what what kind of material do you think works well? And I, again, I'm not, I'm not defending this no, activity. Of course, of course not. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm pretty edgy myself, but I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> you know how edgy I am here, kid. Cut my back up. That's how edgy I am. <laughs> I mean, at least God. he didn't carve a word or anything. It was, it was a pretty light cut. It only drew, <laughs> it's, it, it, it wasn't that deep. <laughs> not that that makes anything better. But yeah. Well, the, the kid yeah, was pretty hesitant about it. <laughs> Oh, at least the way he was hesitant, and at least the guy didn't want it that deep. I love how it was like, you have to be gentle. What is the point of this knife? Right. Not only, you're giving this kid a knife to cut into your back, and you say you have to be gentle. And it's hard to be gentle with a steak knife. I mean, that's a pretty blunt instrument as far as knives are concerned. It doesn't even make any sense. I just don't know where your judgment is coming from. Now, I've made some stupid decisions in my life, and like, but... You know, I, I don't know. Like, so here's, here's another, uh, am I coming off? If my, am I coming off too harsh on this? No, no. Am I coming off too harsh on this? I don't think so. (laughs) There's going to be, there's going to be some point where somebody's going to email me like, yeah, I remember when you did this or like in sometime in the future. Some, I'm like, remember when you did this, you said this was a bad idea. You know, it's just going to come back at some point, but still, I just can't, I don't know. I can't. So, um, talking about the importance of keeping Easter relevant and um, trying to come up with different ways to uh, to to make Easter um, fresh and and exciting, Becky and I were driving around the other day, and we saw a sign that advertised dinner and a movie on Good Friday at this church, and Becky's like. What do you want to bet the movie's The Passion of the Christ? Of like, it is. It, it's a spaghetti dinner in Passion of the Christ. 
spaghetti dinner? Well, I, it's, I'm just using my imagination here. I don't know what the food was. I don't know what the movie was. But it's it's Good Friday. Like, what, what do you think? They're, they're, I'm watching the Prince of, Prince of Egypt on Good Friday. Yeah, it's got to be The Passion of the Christ. It has to be The Passion of the Christ. That's a difficult movie to eat during. And eat spaghetti. Everything's red. Well, that's Everything I, on the again, screen I, is red. I, on my plate is red. Pulled that out of my hat. Uh, <laughs> Everything's red. That I I don't know that it was the Passion of the Christ, and I don't know that it was spaghetti. That's just that. But but um, I bet you it was. Spaghetti, yeah, dinner actually. dinner and a movie to celebrate Good Friday. Um. I mean, it was a vegetarian. It wasn't like they were serving steak. They're cutting into meat. They're doing something, <laughs> right? All right. It, it just, it, yeah, it's just a bad idea. But if it was, I mean, do you know if it was the Passion of the Christ? I don't. I don't. That's just my, my presupposition. Oh, gotcha. You're probably right, though. Yeah, but it, it, isn't that kind of a bait and switch, though, to, you know, abs- tell, yeah, totally. yeah, tell families, like, hey, we're going to, you know, we're going to watch a movie. We're going to have dinner together. This is going to be awesome. Well, you know, there's I've heard arguments on both sides like, well, I've, I've heard philosophies of ministry and evangelism on several sides, let's say. Some people say, um, I'll do anything to keep that guy out of hell. You know, I'll I'll scare him out of hell, you know. Um, oh, yeah. And then there's I, other and there's other people that will be like, uh, well, we're not going to scare you out of hell. That's just not productive. Productive, interesting, productive. It's quite a choice of words. So, um, I don't know. What's your take on that? Well, I, you remember, um, and maybe some churches still do this, but like in the satanic panic era of the mm-hmm. 80s and 90s that we grew up in, where like my mom and dad didn't let me watch like Smurfs, for example, because they thought that Gargamel was evil. Um, because he used magic or something. I, I, I don't know. But in that era, oh. there was a big mm-hmm. movement during Halloween where you would pass out the uh, chick tracks. You remember those? Yep. Um, and uh, certain churches would have hell houses that show, like, if you don't love Jesus and if you're uh, a sinner, that these Dude. are the kinds of things that happen. And I went to a ton of them. Always, somebody always died in a drunk driving accident. Yeah, drunk driving accident. There was always an abortion scene. Um yep that kind of thing. And, and yeah, like the funny, the funny thing is, sorry, the funny thing is, is the exact words that I just told you, I I don't want to scare somebody out of hell. It's not productive. Was at one of those houses on Halloween. I kid you not. I like the phrase scaring the hell out of people. Yeah. Right. Of course. (laughs) I, uh, so yeah, obviously scaring people or shocking people or, um, or, you know, appealing to the, their sense of fear is not the best way to accomplish ministry. You know, I don't know. Maybe it is, maybe, maybe some people do respond to that and I've just never met somebody who has, I, I don't know. Um, yeah, it's a good. It's a Have good you point. ever met somebody who's responded to the fear response? Who's, uh, you know, my my well, faith story begins when I went to a hell house and mm-hmm. I didn't want to end up like that drunk driver, and so I gave my life to Jesus there on the spot. You know, um, if I get into the 
this, we could go pretty crazy with this, but the those messages in in my experience tend to um, they don't they don't if somebody makes a decision off that it's usually short lived. Yep, and they like those things usually reinforce what's already happened. Like somebody will cross the line of faith and then they'll go to somewhere there and they're like, yeah. Well, that's kind of you what know? I was thinking. Like, and, I, I feel like these things are, um, and, and even this illustration with that, that culminated in the cutting of the back of the pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that these things are more like reinforcements for Christians who are already Christians or people who have already made a decision to follow Christ than they are like effective witnessing tools. Because I don't, I don't think that, that when hell houses were a big thing that people were going to them, maybe people would bring their, their unchurched friends to, you know, just let's, let's roll the dice and see what happens and see if they make a commitment to Jesus. But I think Mm -hmm. that, that more often it was a way of Christians to sort of hypocritically, say like, man, I'm glad that I'm not a sinner. I'm glad that I'm not like these people. Like I got Jesus. So I'm never going to end up like that drunk driver, you know, like it's a way to uh, sort of mock, um, non-Christians more than they are effective witnessing tools. And, and I think let's be honest at the, at like the, the core of everything. I'm pretty sure they were just trying to give an alternative to Halloween and trick or treating. (laughs) Why does well? This is a totally different rabbit hole, but you know we could talk about about trick or treating historically and what it's meant, and um, Halloween and what it's meant, and (laughs) you know we could go down that rabbit trail. But but yeah, like I don't know. I was going to say who needs an alternative to trick or treating? Just go trick or treating. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I got a. when I was growing up, you know, there was all like my my parents were always fearful of like somebody poisoning candy, which never happened. It's like and, it's uh, never putting happened. razor blade, putting razor blades razor in the chocolate blades candy. And chocolate. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. My parents. Were I don't know. Out about that. Too. I mean, back in the day, it was just a thing, right? You didn't do that. You just didn't do it. It was like a cultural church thing. You just didn't do it. And it started to wear off. It's kind of like drinking. <laughs> right. So <laughs> so let me ask you this. As somebody who, because I've seen you up on stage preaching before, mm-hmm. um, and I've seen you using sermon illustrations to to uh, effectively get your point across, and you've done yep. a good job with that. Appreciate um, that. When you're preaching, what do you think the goal should be? Should the goal be to to preach to the choir, so to speak, and to bolster the faith of people who already believe or, or is it like a, a witnessing opportunity and how do you split the difference between those? I, I'm, I'm not an example of preaching by any means. Um, but you grew up in this world or or an authority or, and I'm not even really that good at it at all. But here's what I do know is when you say when you're preaching, depending on the um, the approach that you take, um, s- somebody in there needs to walk away with one main idea. Some people think that you know, well, 
you know, you have to have several points and blah, 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 blah. Sure, I'm not going to argue all that. But somebody in there um, is going to forget 90% of what you said anyway, like in the next 15 minutes, really. It's just yeah. true. They just will. But if you effectively support everything and um, support one main idea, your big idea, and everything supports that so that they can walk away with that one thing, um, then there's been a success. And it's, it's, it's been a successful, you know, um, I don't know, 20, 30, 35 minutes, however you usually preach, hour, whatever it is. It all needs to support one main idea. If you give people 15 things or four things or five things that, um, you know, to, you know, you're just spitting out all this stuff, they're not going to remember that. Like preachers hate to hear that. And in the back of the back of their minds, some of them know it's true. Like, first of all, one, most preachers are preaching scripture out of context. I'm going to kind of go crazy. Most preachers are preaching scripture out of context. Yeah. Yeah, I think they are. Okay. Most, a lot, a lot. Let's just say a lot. Okay. I I think there's a lot of preachers preaching scripture out of context and not like to the point where like, holy moly, like, you know, there's, you know, I, there's just a lot of preachers and, um, I think I get support on this. Oh, between a lot and most are preaching a lot of scripture out of context. So, um, go ahead, go ahead. I mean, this brings up a lot of questions of like, what, what does out of context mean? How do you preach in context? What does in context preaching look like? Mm -hmm. That's, you know, uh, probably a rabbit hole for another day, but, um, The truth is this, back to your original question, the things that you're saying, your illustrations, what you're preaching, all of those things need to support your main idea so that when somebody walks out of the church or out of that room or wherever you're preaching, wherever you're speaking, they can walk away and they're not going to be the same way they came in because either they're, um, they're thinking about something, the spirit of God is starting to deal with them. Um, you know, whatever your, whatever your, uh, your, your measurements of success are, um, they're open to something, whatever, whatever it is, whatever you're laying out. And when, when, uh, but when you start using, you know, the funny thing is, is this, here's the thing we here, we all know about Easter, right? Even people that aren't Christians, we all know what happened. Um, so did all those kids in that youth group. I still don't know what the main idea of what that guy was trying to get across. He was trying to get across, uh, according to the apology video, he was trying to get across that no matter what the students did to him, that he would still love them, just like Jesus still loves us, regardless of the sin that nailed him to the cross. Like, that, yeah. that was the point. That was, was the take-home. That was and the take. According to them, that was the take home. Now, the the real take home was look at what you let these kids do. The real take home was, hey, mom and dad, I got to spit in the pastor's face today. There's no, um, I don't. 
and and I I could be wrong. Obviously, we're talking about minors here. None of them were quoted in the piece. Um, all of the faces are blurred out in the video, so I don't know. I, I maybe somebody had a conversion experience, but from from the evidence in the video and the kids cheering for their friends to spit in the pastor's face and to slap him, and they slapped him hard. I mean, it, of course, this, this wasn't right. Right, this wasn't like a, a friendly slap on the back. I mean, they they hit him in the face and they, they made it painful. Um, Dude, yeah, it, I, I don't I don't think um, whatever, like you said earlier, whatever the lesson was there, a, a lesson of love and compassion and forgiveness, is completely lost in the um, media hype surrounding the terrible thing that actually happened. Yeah, so it, it, it clearly wasn't really, well, obviously we don't need this, but it clearly wasn't a successful illustration. <laughs> I mean, even if, though it was that extreme. If no news is bad news, they put their <laughs> church on the map, so they got that going for them. Yeah. Um, That's not the kind of thing you want to be on the map for. No, no, I don't think so. I don't think it is. Uh, and we'll see how that turns out for them in the next, you know, how is that going to play out in the next six months or a year? Yeah, well, n- now you have the unfortunate distinction of being the church that allowed kids to cut the pastor. Yeah. And how do you take them seriously on a Sunday morning when you're going to a church that uh, the pastors of which thought that this kind of activity would be okay? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's tough, you know, now that you're like, I'm not sure if that judgment, you know, and now you're going to question his judgment at every turn. Well, that's exactly and, right. And that's, that's exactly so. It, it speaks to uh, the credibility of the the pastors, and in turn, that's going to speak to the credibility of the senior pastor and allowing someone like that to be on his staff. That's just you know, that's just the way it goes. That's just, and uh, I think it's merited, and. You know, I'm, I, I'm not even, and I'm not even a parent, right? Uh, but I'll, I'll tell you this: you know, I can think back to when I was a youth, and my my youth pastor was like, "Yeah, you slap me in the face, dude. I will. I'm gonna wind up, and everybody in there is going to like know how how hard I slapped that youth pastor." Now, again, I'm a pastor's kid and still recovering, so there's plenty of rage behind that swing. But at the same time, I wouldn't have thought twice. I wouldn't have thought twice. To smack him. I totally, as a kid, I totally wouldn't have done it. I would have wimped out. I, oh, I, dude, I wouldn't have thought twice about it. I well, would have been like, think? yo, let me hit you again. Let me take his slap. That guy won't do it. Let me take his slap. One of the elements that I was thinking about uh, as a parent, and now my my daughter is only, you know, 14 months old. So she she's old enough to slap, but she doesn't know what she's doing. She does it all the time. Mm. Um, but say that my daughter's older, she's, she's youth group age. Um, even if the pastor said, you can slap me without any repercussions, you can cut me without any repercussions, um, and allowed that to happen, my kid's getting punished when they come home because that's not the way that I raised that kid, you know? Yeah, yeah, sure. Like, there is no way that even if somebody said that that, that was permissible at that time, like, mm-hmm. like I would hope that I taught my daughter 
that violence doesn't solve anything and especially like unmerited, unwarranted violence. Like what, what is the point? I just, I can't get into, for some reason I can't tap into the mindset that you're like, uh, I would have wound up, I would have slapped him hard. Like I just, I think one, I would have gotten punished for it at home. Mm-hmm. Um, well, one a, I don't think that the youth group that I grew up in would, would ever serve up an illustration like this, but yeah, yeah, totally. But, uh, yeah, I, I just, I can't see an instance where you would have, and I don't want to demonize these students, but I, I can't see a situation wherein, um, even, uh, sizable portion of the kids would willingly and actively participate in something like that. That's just foreign to me. Yeah. I mean, it's a good point. Like, Um, do you think if, and, uh, you know, this might be a little bit telling, but if Pastor Jacob, our youth pastor at Victory Church, if Pastor Jacob was like, all right, line up and y'all can hit me. Like, what percentage of the kids do you think would be like, oh, heck yeah, I'm going to do that? First of all, it doesn't matter because I would be the first in line <laughs> uh, as a staff passer, and he would not get up from that. So it would have been over. But um, I don't know. It's funny. I have no idea. It's just, I don't know. It's just like, and it doesn't matter because the next day he'd be knocked out or like, you know, he'd be fired. So, <laughs> right, <laughs> like, right. I mean, I just the I don't know the judgment is just um, interesting and the funny thing is is you know what you said about um, I'd be punished anyway you know there was a quote in that article about the mom saying hey I just want to let you know that I just want to know what happened and let you know that what happened today isn't it's not right like that's not right and I mean you know parents parents send their kids to youth and are, are part of a community a church for. Um, you know, they're bombarded by, you know, enough that they walk into a, what should be somewhat of a safe environment to explore faith. And, um, and honestly, I know that like, you know, we don't have to have the morality conversation, but, um, or argument or whatever, but I mean, there's, that should be part of it, right? Um, well, sure. In, uh, and, uh, and it goes uh, also, I think that we should point out that it's not like the parents were okay with the illustration. Like the, the reason that the church released the apology video wasn't just because the video got out, but because parents found out about the illustration and were, um, quote, hurt and disgusted by it. This, yeah. What do you think is going to happen? Like what? Like what do you think is going to happen? Uh, parents have problems with everything, everything, and they should. Like you know, to some degree. But what do you think is going to happen when you like literally put a knife in your kid's hand? <laughs> I don't. I just don't understand from what place. Like I, I'm just. I'm stunned, honestly. Yeah, like I'm, it's, it's... I'm stunned, but I'm not stunned because of the whole thing that I saw a few years ago with the gun thing. Like, I'm just like... 
I'm stunned, but I'm just like, I'm stunned that people are still trying to do that. Like, Hey, this is, this is like, you think this is a good idea, you know, stunned from that point of view. Sure. I mean, I, I know that I keep coming back to like, it's, it's hard to preach. Right. Um, and, and you say, <laughs> you said earlier, well, it's not that hard to Dude. come up with. So, but what, what type, and, and this is putting you on the spot here a little bit, but like, what, what do you think would be an appropriate illustration? Something similar. Appropriate? That didn't involve spitting and slapping. Anything. Anything <laughs> over that. Anything. I mean, there's a million things that we could have thought that are more appropriate. And by the way, if you, if you're preaching and you can't find anything better if you can't uh, find a better illustration, if it's that hard for you, you might want to think about um, switching vocations or maybe just practicing your preaching to, some, to somebody else so for a do while you think- till, you can, till you can get some things down. And again, it is, of course, it's hard. Public speaking is hard. You know, um, public speaking with people judging you is hard. Now, he was not, he wasn't like, you know, concerned with anybody judging him clearly. Um, what were you going to say? Well, I was going to say, like, do you think that the pastors should be um, fired? Do you, obviously, there should be some sort of disciplinary action, I think. Um, what do you do when all credibility is lost? Like, what do you do when you're in a situation like that where you've got a youth group that was apparently pretty well attended, um, judging by the video, um, apparently pretty popular, and and something like this happens? Like, what, what should be standard operating procedure for dealing with something like this? I don't even know. Yeah, I mean, you definitely should be fired. Um, you should actually honestly resign before being fired, but... Um, it just shows lack of judgment in that, you know, in that sense and not like, if you're going to minister to kids, um, you're just, yeah, you're held to a, a, a just a, a much higher standard and you, you're going to minister at all. You're going to, you know, you, you're held to a higher standard. I mean, if you're going to preach, I mean, God holds you to a standard. That's pretty clear in the New Testament. Um, I, I know, and I'm not like I'm really not the guy. It's like, yeah, fire. You know, everybody. You know, you should be fired. You know, like I hate that. Like I hate when you see that in the media and like all those things. But like, you know, I don't. I don't understand how you get your credibility back. Yeah, um, I mean, that's a huge. At all. Right. Right. You know. Um, what happened to the church? What happened to the church that uh, had this hostage scenario? Um, I think those guys are in jail. Um, I think a couple, I think one of them are in jail. Still, I'm not sure. I can't remember. Um, I can't remember. I mean, the church is there, but you, you know, you have to clean house after that. Um, you would hope something that like your that. church is strong enough to survive. Not that, like, you know, every church is going to make this grave of a mistake, but churches make mistakes all the time. Totally, totally. You would hope. Yeah, you definitely hope, you know, um, at the same time. Yeah. Like you gotta, that that judgment, 
you know, those judgment calls, you, you, you have to, in, in you have, you really have to exercise a ton of wisdom when you're in ministry. And that's not to say that like, you know, every time I feel like I say that, like there's a million things that people could be like, yo, that wasn't wisdom. Absolutely. Like totally. Have you ever, as a worship leader, have you ever gotten people who are upset about the content of songs? Mm, not really. Um, either I've been protected from that or they re or I literally give off this vibe of, I really don't care. Right. <laughs> like what your opinion is going to be on this song. Yeah. Um, cause I really don't, I think I do a decent job at, um, selecting songs that will, you know, align for, um, what we're trying to communicate in, in our culture. Um, and in the message itself. Right. So it's like, it's that specific. Totally. Yeah. Um, but like, I don't really care what you think, you know, about this or that. I mean, we can have the conversation, but I'm not selecting songs on your suggestion or your hermeneutics or your biblical interpretation or your, you know, exegesis. Like I'm not, I'm not going to, like, I just won't. So, like, we can have the conversation, invite the conversation, but, you know, I don't know. What do you, is that, uh, no, I just think, kinda... I was just thinking about that song, uh, that talks about delivering the head of the enemy. And I was wondering if anybody, if anybody had an issue with that or took umbrage. No. Or... Yeah, Defender, no. Nobody has uh I think it's awesome. The funny thing is is that if if they did, they really need to read through Psalms. I mean Well sure. Dude, like some of the Psalms are like very like it like he says like, yo, um, break the teeth of my enemy. Like yep. what? Like, you know, smite everybody, which is basically just kill the whole army. Like, that's what he's praying. He's praying that and, you know, writing a song about it. Now, um, it might not work super, super awesome um, in corporate worship these days, at least, you know, in our church. But, you know, there's some imagery that, like, clearly it's, it's you know, it's imagery Um the head of my enemy. Now, what is your enemy? Is it the enemy of your soul? Is it the, is it the addiction that you've been dealing with? Right, right. I mean, obviously there's, there's levels of, of, um, uh, meaning there. Yeah. There's, yeah, it's, (laughs) it's clearly a metaphor, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think that anybody's singing that song asking God to literally deliver the head of the person who they hate the most to them. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's this dude at work, man, deliver his head to me. <laughs> Not, but to answer your question, no, I haven't heard. The funny thing is, is like actually the only, and not even criticism, like the only observation to that song was there's, there's a, a part in the song that says, and all I did was praise and all I did was worship. Right. Yep. And actually the only comments on that song I've heard is in regard to the passivity of just worship. Oh, that's interesting. 
Wow. Not, like, like you obviously had to do more than worship and praise. Like you worship and praise and then you acted right. But, and that's the only, that's the only thing. So like, um, but like people you know, take when, it people- when Rita Springer was writing that, obviously she, you know, you don't like people don't understand though. When you're writing a song, you don't have to put all like, you don't have to justify all the outlining things just to be able to get, like you're trying to get across this metaphor in a certain message. Like you don't have to like write out and explain all the rules of engagement and like everything just so you can use the metaphor. Right, right. That's right. uh, just not the way that art works. I mean, like one of the one of the things that this church that showed this illustration that that came up with this illustration. One of the things that I think that um, it did well, um, <laughs> and I, I can already tell that I'm going to get pushed back from what I'm for what I'm about to say. Um, <laughs> I think that church does a pretty good job of sanitizing or whitewashing the brutality of the cross. And I think that shouldn't be ignored. Um, now I don't think that like maybe dinner in a movie with the passion of the Christ is the most appropriate way to underscore that brutality. Um, nor do I think that allowing students to cut into a pastor's back is an appropriate way to, to underscore that brutality. Um, but there is something to be said uh, for understanding that and reconciling the place that some measure of violence has in our faith. And just like that song Defender alludes to, um, you can't take the Bible as a whole and then, you know, get rid of or jettison those difficult parts that you don't like yeah i it's you don't hear that anymore like back when, when we were young you're like oh rated our movies are terrible well like uh, the passion of christ pretty much got rid of that generalization <laughs> like, like that general rule like right um which i think is funny um yeah i i you know if the bible was if the bible several things were me like like the bible is brutal like the scriptures that are brutal um i but i think you're you know uh whitewashing it is really interesting it's, you know um it just fun fact okay i was on a um i was on a mission trip uh when i was younger probably the same age as those kids and uh back in the day when human videos and uh you know dramas were part of uh ministry on missions yeah, trips, yeah. right and one of the i don't even remember the song to tell you the truth but um there's this one that we did and uh it was about the crucifixion ironically enough and just you know uh, you know being you know jesus getting beat up well i was jesus and like i was all about you know, in those days, <laughs> like we, we got to make this, we got, we got to make this believable. I'm tired of all these like ridiculous, like soft selling, uh, you know, this, uh, the human videos, everybody's soft, everybody's soft. Right. You know? So I was like the guys that were playing the guards, I was like, God, you know, like we've did this like three or four times. And we're like, I was like, I was like, guys, I really want you to like, 
I really want you to make this real. You like, wanted you them to rough you up. Real. Well, I was like, I really need you to punch me. Like, I really need you to smack me. Like, when you're doing it, by the way, actually, he did spit on me, honestly. Dude, see? So, but, but so it's. Well, I was a kid. I was a kid. I was literally 16 years old. 16, right? So, we, we went to, I mean, there was plenty of places where we did this. And, uh, and the leader didn't say anything. There was like, okay, cool. I remember doing this on a Sunday morning. And, like, they, like, <laughs> they just took it to the next level. And I got the crap beat out of me. Like, they just beat me up in front of everybody on Sunday morning to the point where, like, there was a guest there. And I was like, wow, like, I never saw a human video where, like, uh, where uh, Jesus, whoever's playing Jesus, like, actually got beat up in there. There was this one point where they picked me up and just threw me on my head. And, um, and, and like, she she said something like, ah, she was like, ah, and you had had to be the anointing, uh, when that kid's head hit the floor, like talking about when they threw me on my head. All all right. But you can, you can see though where, and, and you, you raise a good point. All right. You were kids doing this, right? Yeah. These are adults who uh, came up with this idea, this this sermon mm-hmm. illustration. But you can see like how the road to bad ideas is paved. Sure, right? when you're 16, like to me, I was just like, "Yo, this is going to be awesome." Uh, and to the, like, I don't know, like at that point, and that's another thing. Like at that point in my life, like you know fighting with people just gave me adrenaline rushes. Right. So like I was totally cool with getting like knocked in the jaw and stuff like that. Right. It, you know, the show must go on. It's all for the sake of like, whatever. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it, of course. But we were 16. Like we were 16. Like, what do you expect from a 16 year old when you put them up in front of like people and like, all right, this is going to, we need to communicate this. Like, this is a human video. We need you to act this out. All right. Like, uh, yeah, I've seen the movies. I've seen how people act things out. Let's just make it look real, right? Um, and it was God's anointing. It was God's anointing <laughs> when, my, when my head hit the floor. Man. So to wrap this all up in a nice, tidy little bow, um, I think that, <laughs> that uh, it should be said that we don't condone violence of any kind. Um, and, uh, and, and if you're out there looking for a sermon illustration, I think that this is a really good, um, uh, crash course on like what not to do. <laughs> mm. It's also, it's just like embarrassing. Like, it's like, Oh, I'm so embarrassed that you made that decision. Ugh. Yeah. I like, mean, so uh, this not only speaks ill, I think of, of the church that did it, but I think that it speaks ill of the Christian community. I mean, this is, this is like, we're only a couple of steps away from, from the, uh, snake healing, <laughs> you know? Oh man. I just like, I really need just better judgment and exercise wisdom. And I understand, um, You just need to be making better decisions, like as a communicator, as a pastor, um, as a leader, as an influencer. Um, this just can't be it. Yeah. Yep. It just can't be it. All right. So we're going to close by uh, finding out what are you into recently? Um, I just... Um, I just... 
I know I talk about William Fitzsimmons all the time, but he just released another album that was basically like the stripped down version of his already stripped down album. Sweet. And um, I love it. I really do. Um, it's it's I've only spun it a few times and I already uh, I'm already obsessed. It I it's like the album. It's like those are like it's like the album that I want to make, like the stripped down album that What's I want to make. Um, it is in the light. Um, Mission Bell alternative versions. So it's basically off of his, you know, um, his Mission Bell album. Um, yeah. So I'm a big Tom Waits fan, and this mm-hmm. uh, this is the 20th anniversary of his album Mule Variations. Grammy Award winning, um, came out in 1999. Um, that's the one with the track Hold On, which is uh, one of his more popular songs. Um, mm. He's always been one of those guys who is like uh, a critical darling, but he never really reached huge mainstream success. Um, but it's just uh, an innovator and um, mm. an, an amazing songwriter, an amazing lyricist. Uh, to me, the guy can do no wrong. I think that he's like, uh, he's, <laughs> he should be America's poet laureate. Like he's just, he's brilliant. Um, his last album, Bad As Me, came out in 2011. Um, and he, he's almost 70 years old. He's going to be turning 70 this year. Yeah. So, um, he's, he's got a lot of material that you can go back and dig into, but mule variations. I always tell people, if you want to get into Tom Waits, it's a really good place to start. Um, so you can celebrate the release of that record 20 years ago this week by, uh, by checking that out. That's awesome. 20 years ago. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to listen to that. Uh, there's this other guy I've been listening to. I might've talked about the last podcast, but um, uh, this guy Rye X and like the letter uh, the X, album, yeah, Rye R Y space X. Um, and the album is Unfurl, it's it's out of control. Um, I just love the vibe of it, it's a very laid back vibe. But, um, he takes it's kind of like in the Bon uh, Bonnever vein, um, the way that he kind of approaches some things, um, with a little bit more programming and production, but sure, he pulls it off live, which is really cool. Um, it's 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 actually really cool. Um, melodies, harmonies, all that stuff is just really really well done. Nice, I'll check that out. Yeah, man. Good stuff. Well, thank you guys for being with us today. We're so uh, we're just stoked to spend time with you. We're so grateful that you would actually listen to us. If you want to contact us, you can email us at this is a love war at gmail.com. This is a love war at gmail.com. And uh, we'll see you next time. Take care. Love work.